and Peter Mullen. Today we've got a very interesting topic that I think a lot of today's people will be um, feeling empathetic with. <laughs> yeah, look, it's one, of the, it's one of those interesting stories, isn't it? Like if you think back 10 or 15 years ago, you were hard pushed to find gluten-free anything. You were. And it's not really something that's come from the medical model saying gluten's bad. This has all come from the groundswell level of possibly people experiencing you know health symptoms if they're eating foods containing gluten and there's a lot more research backing it as well so it's really been consumer driven mm-hmm. hasn't it, it hasn't that come from the yes. the medical model so and and just to be clear about that fact too like you know, it's easy to think that you know gluten free is you know ideal for everybody and it might not necessarily be the case um a lot of my patients over the years like anyone that i see that um struggles with gut symptoms like irritable bowel you know over the years 60 to 70 percent of those people would improve with their symptoms of bloating wind bowel variability straight away if they cut out bread cut out wheat so there's obviously something in wheat for these people that causes excess bloating and diarrhea and constipation etc so for a long time it was thought to be just gluten and um things that i've looked at from some of the leading gluten experts around the world they believe that gluten possibly does irritate everyone's gut wall to a certain degree whether you're getting symptoms from it or not Um, but also in wheat there's other protein that can be an issue and interestingly a lot of people are adopting a fodmap style of diet um, when it comes to treating irritable bowel these days and interestingly Maybe one of the reasons why people feel bloated after they have wheat might not be the gluten. It might actually be the fructan, which is a type of sugar. And is that in the the bread type products? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, products. it's a sugar in, in wheat. Uh-huh. Also rye and barley. Okay. And interestingly, as we were talking about in the break, fructans are also in garlic and onion. So if you feel gassy and bloated after garlic and onion, that's probably why. So <coughs> the story is not, excuse me, just as black and white as, you know, gluten's the baddie like, Cereals and grains, um, for a lot of us, are probably are a bit harder to digest anyway. So it's a, it's a bit more complex than just saying, you know, gluten's the devil and it's only that. Like it can be just cereals and grains generally as we get older can be harder to, harder to um, um, digest. But one of the reasons that I would recommend to someone to cut out gluten, like there, there is a food intolerance test that we can do where you can actually see that someone's intolerant to gluten. Mm-hmm. With the intolerance test we do, nearly everyone we test comes back intolerant to gluten. They come back with an IgG immune response. Um, So in some respects, it's easy for for me to say to someone, just go gluten-free because in going gluten-free, you're cutting out a lot of cereals and grains generally and for a lot of people, their gut symptoms will improve. So for very specific things, like one of my clients that um, if she she has gluten, she gets quite bad gut problems, but she also gets joint pain. You know, I think gluten for her probably really is the instigator. Um, but for a lot of people, it can be the fructans and other things in the wheat. But for irritable bowel, you still want to reduce your cereals and grains generally. Okay. So have I made things clearer? Have I just confused everybody, do you think? I think that it's all starting to become clearer. It is that gluten can be the baddie for some people, but may not be the baddie for everybody. That's exactly it. Thank you, Jane. <laughs> that, was, that was what I was trying to say. Which foods contain gluten, Peter? Um, the common gluten-containing foods are wheat, rye, and barley, um, but also things like spelt, um, uh, kumut, 
anything sort of in that wheat family. Now, interestingly, um, oats are an interesting um, mm. grain. In Australia, oats are included in the um, – for celiac people or people that can definitely have no gluten whatsoever, oats are included in that list of grains. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the Scandinavian countries, oats aren't included. Would that have something to do with the different oats that we get as opposed to the Scandinavian? It is, and it's also to do with contamination. So in Australia, oats are processed in the same factories as where wheat and um, rye and other um, gluten-containing grains are processed. So there's a greater chance of contamination with Australian oats. But in Norway or the Scandinavian countries, they they obviously grow oats where there's no cross-contamination. Now, oats do contain a compound called avenicide, which is similar to gluten. And some celiacs, we'll talk about celiac in a minute, can react to that. But, um, yeah, generally in Australia it's oats, rye and barley and then spelt, kermut and the other, other wheats in that family. So if you're going shopping, <laughs> it's not a bad idea to have a look at the label. Yeah, well, definitely more. And that's, that's what I was saying before about this is definitely being consumer-driven because there's so many gluten-free products available but um what's this is just a really interesting tip gluten-free doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy Uh you know a lot of times you'll get a packet of gluten-free biscuits off the shelf but you've got to remember that they're packed full of sugar and you know maybe other additives and preservatives to make it taste like a biscuit so gluten-free is not necessarily healthy Generally, if I'm seeing someone and they need to be gluten-free I'll tell them really you don't want to just replace your bread and cereals and grains with just gluten-free stuff. You really want to go back to you know your fruits and vegetables and your proteins and maybe use that as an opportunity to cut down on processed food as well. Okay. So how do you know if you should go gluten-free? Um, well, definitely there's um, – so everybody's probably aware there's an autoimmune condition called celiac disease. Now, celiac disease is an autoimmune. It's not an allergy. Allergy is a different story and intolerance is a different story again. So people with celiac, it's where – their immune system is getting gluten confused with their gut wall and every time gluten comes into their body, their immune system's trashing their gut wall, which causes all sorts of health concerns long-term. One thing that people really need to be careful of is if you suspect celiac disease, say you've got a, a family member with it or you think you've, you could be going down that path, it is really important to get definitely diagnosed as either having celiac or not having celiac. It's not something you want to half-heartedly go on a gluten-free diet and think you're just going to manage yourself because celiac long-term can cause all sorts of issues from a nutrient absorption point of view. So if you're suspicious at all, you've got to go through the process and get tested. Mm-hmm. Now you, you can get tested and you can get an answer, yes or no. Yes, or yes, yes. With celiac, celiac disease, you can have. if you're eating gluten, you can have a blood test and the doctor can tell you that you have elevated celiac antibodies. Then you can go on to have a biopsy and actually, and if you come back positive, I would recommend to have the biopsy just for definite confirmation that it is celiac. You can also have a celiac gene test done. So a lot of people can have the gene for celiac, but it never actually come to fruition. Um, and then you've got to, if you do get the gene tested, then you've got to live with the fact that, you know, it am I turning happen. celiac at any time? So you do have to, you know, make wise decisions around it. So what we see more in practice is where um, the gluten may be causing or triggering an immune response by causing inflammation to the gut wall. Gluten may increase the production of a compound called zonulin, which dissolves the glue between the um, gut, gut wall. So it actually can contribute to leaky gut. 
So, you know, as I said before, there is some suggestions that gluten probably irritates everyone's gut to a degree. So I still think it's probably an amount thing. You know, Mm -hmm. even if you're not getting obvious symptoms, which we'll talk about in a minute, I still think it's something to try and reduce. Because when you think about it, cereals and grains are a very processed food. Mm, we can't we can't take raw wheat grains and do anything with them until they've been milled put under high pressure cooked under high temperatures mixed with a whole a lot of other foods so what are the signs that uh, people who suffer from a gluten intolerance perhaps might experience well look they they can be wide-ranging um jane one of the suspected reasons is that um, long-term gluten if it's if it is an irritation to your gut wall it might actually interfere with the absorption of nutrients so Interestingly, with celiac disease, one of the um, common findings before someone's diagnosed with celiac is chronic low ferritin or stored iron that just never recovers. So if someone's got chronic low iron, that can be one of the things that needs to be ruled out. But um, just with gluten intolerance, which is what we're talking about today, um, yeah, definitely nutrient, poor nutrient absorption, things like iron, magnesium, zinc. Um, always thinking of you know gut issues, um, you know, irritable bowel type stuff, bloating, wind, bowel variability, um, heartburn, reflux, tired after meals, low blood sugar can all relate to a gluten intolerance. Um, aches and pains. I was talking about one of my young patients that if she has starts to eat too much wheat or gluten, she'll actually start to get knee pain. Mm. And, you know, that knee pain goes away once she cuts gluten back out of her diet again. So, and um, headaches. For some people as well, yeah. um, maybe even some mood stuff, anxiety, depression, and some hormonal stuff as well. So, um, yeah, for some people, it really can really play havoc. And you know, I think more and more people are starting to recognise more how what they're eating does really affect dramatically how they're feeling, mm-hmm. rather than the two be two separate issues. So, speaking about what they're eating or what we're eating, uh, what should we be eating instead? Well, as I said, like the the trick with if you need to be gluten-free or if you'd like to try going gluten-free if you've got gut symptoms is, um, you know, don't just replace, um, don't just go and buy off-the-shelf gluten-free products because it doesn't necessarily mean they're healthy. Often they'll have, as I was saying, sugar, additives, preservatives, etc. The best thing if you want to try some alternatives to, say, bread is to get on the the internet and there's some fantastic gluten-free recipes available easy to make and you know they can be a really nice addition to the diet so you really what you want to do is just replace what you're already having so you can find a gluten-free um bread um dana will make up often at home a a really nice um like a pikelet made out of um, chickpea flour so we'll use that as a basis for like savory you know, like tuna mornay or something like that. Mm. Um, so that's so. There's lots and lots of options, and that's what is great these days. Is there's so much great information available around what to get. Um, and then otherwise, you know, find once you find an alternative for bread, really with cereals, it's easy to come across gluten free cereals, or you know, maybe try some rice porridge. Um, so rice is okay usually. No gluten. Rice, rice. generally is okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So any of the rice products, like you know, rice crackers, Mm -hmm. if you're going to have like hummus and you know healthy dips and things like that. So there is lots. You can even buy gluten-free wraps, and you know I've had a couple of those, and some of them aren't too bad as well. But generally, with the gluten-free, the best advice I can get is get on and have a go at making some alternatives yourself. Even um, things like um, uh, buckwheat flour makes you can make a really great 
buckwheat pancake mix. So you can still have your buckwheat, your pancakes with, you know, um, egg, um, um, soy milk or almond milk, and then you can put your fresh blueberries in and your 100% maple syrup. So the good thing is you don't have to miss out mm. these days, even with, you know, things like pizza bases. You don't even have to do the, the gluten-free flours. You can do, um, you know, slices of pumpkin that you use or make a cauliflower, like a cauliflower rice that you press into a base that you use for... So lots of alternatives. Yeah, excellent. And uh, yeah, lettuce, I mean, sung choy bao in a Chinese yeah, restaurant yeah, yeah. Uh, where the lettuce is the container. Yep. Yeah, all of those things. Excellent. Um, so next Tuesday you'll be back with us again, Peter. And uh, what will we be talking about then? We're talking about a, another or definitely a bit of a controversial issue, and this is... Um, around dairy and dairy products, whether we need to be drinking as much and eating as much as what we've been told, um, particularly around the calcium debate as well. So, mm, hmm. Stay tuned for that. Stay Thank tuned. you Thank very you, much, Peter Mullen.